And I'm so excited to be here finally for our second episode. Which is why I was on the cover album of Jan and Dean, Take Linda Surfing, amongst other subjects. Thank you for hanging in there because I know it's been a while. <laughs> okay, so I'd like to say a big thank you also to my listeners because you mean a great deal to me. You are extraordinary and you have introduced me to a new chapter in my life that I really never knew existed. And through all of you, I'm learning about a different world I don't think I recognized. Probably because I was such a private person. Therefore, with all of my heart, I want you to know you all are amazing. Let's stay together and travel this very bumpy road indeed. Whoa. <laughs> Welcome. 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 This podcast brought to you by Malibu Sandals. Malibu Sandals was born in the heart of Malibu, California known as the home of celebrities, millionaires, billionaires, and is famous for its beautiful beaches, surfing, and views of the blue, mighty Pacific Ocean. Malibu sandals are known for its incomparable design, quality, and cruelty-free material, as well as environmentally friendly footwear. At the end of the show, Malibu sandals has a special offer for the listeners, so stay tuned. In my first episode, I talked about my childhood surrounded by movie stars and my grandmother being an award-winning actress, etc. In this, my second episode, I'll introduce high school years, my experiences, crazy things that happened, and why I was on the cover album of Jan and Dean Take Linda Surfin'. So it all started when Jan and Dean attended University High School, Uni High, and they were on the football team with adjoining lockers, and together they started singing and harmonizing in the showers with like a number of other football players. Life was good and fun abounded. Now Jan and Dean joined together in 1959 and they recorded their first hit, Baby Talk. As they became enthralled with the popularity of surfing, they recorded a number one hit in 1963 called Surf City. Also, Little Old Lady from Pasadena was number three. Little Old Lady from Pasadena. The 
and Dead Man's Curve was number eight. Now, did you know that Jan and Dean's Linda recording reached number 28 in Billboard's Top 100? I'm just saying. (laughs) Okay, and with that, they introduced a dynamic, one-of-a-kind sound, establishing their own place as musical history was born. Okay, but before I go further, I'd like to talk a little more about my life because I know you all are very curious to learn more and to know me better and why I was involved with Jan and Dean. In the first episode, I often mentioned my father, my dad, so I'd like to quickly talk a little bit about my dad. He was tall, very handsome, and had an aura that was unmistakably powerful and overwhelmingly charming. You name it, and he had it all. I loved him and frankly at times was awestruck by his presence because when he entered a room, everyone would stop and look or stare. (laughs) All right, so he was a highly successful businessman as well as acquiring vast amounts of real estate in Beverly Hills. West Hollywood, and West L.A. My mom discovered the most incredible woman, and that was Mabel from Mobile, Alabama. She was the best cook, housekeeper, and assistant that our family had ever known as she became an integral part, big time, and I loved her like a second mom. When Dad was home... One of his favorite things was to have big parties with his friends, like the mayor of Los Angeles, Sam Yorty, and his family, and so on. And then our parties and get-togethers were like a who's who, socially speaking. Switching gears and back to high school, which will be a good place to go, I was a full-on teenager, and on my 16th birthday, Dad surprised me with a slick black Chevy, that was quite a car. I mean, it had all the extras, plus a wolf whistle, and definitely a showstopper. In the summer, before my senior year, Dad sold my Chevy. Well, I was very upset that he sold my Chevy, for sure. But I want to say, soon after, he surprised me with a fantastic car a white Corvette with a turquoise racing stripe down the center. My description may sound gaudy, but it was great looking. Only thing was, my dad's absence was like a giant hole in our home life. That may be the reason why he bombarded us with material gifts. As a family, we traveled to the south of France, especially during the Cannes Film Festival, and that was where we became good friends with Pierre Arpel of Van Cleef and Arpel, Jules. We partied on his yacht, and we had great times together. Also, there were other times we'd go to Italy, 
and to that film festival, the Venice Film Festival, actually, where so many paparazzi chased after me that it was disgusting. (laughs) But that's where so many of my photos in a bikini are seen on my websites. This may have given me a taste for, or let's say, an introduction into a film career. Different from my grandmother's, of course, while I was still growing into womanhood. There's one thing I must mention. My dad had a very short fuse. I mean, this is regarding his temper. And he could or would lose it at the drop of a hat. I remember one time when we were in Venice at a charming little restaurant on the canal and the waiter was talking talking to my parent and um, he was taking our orders and when I was asked what I wanted or what my choice was I ordered I really wanted spaghetti well dad reached across the table and slapped me followed by raising his voice and everybody looked (sighs) my mother brother and I were not only embarrassed and humiliated, but I had a hard time holding back my tears. So now I'd like to share a really, really funny story. (laughs) During Easter holidays, Dad arranged for us to go to Palm Springs, and there were so many movie stars, and that's where they lived, from Hollywood like Frank Sinatra, who at that time was the king of Hollywood, attracting almost all the stars to his newly found area that was past Palm Springs. It was in Palm Desert, which was sort of barren at the time, but he was building it up with the country clubs and so forth. Palm Springs was the spot for teenagers, and Palm Canyon Drive was the heart of Palm Springs. So at my request... My chaperone, my mom, would cruise up and down Palm Canyon Drive, which was bumper to bumper with guys trying to pick up girls. You see, I was too young to date, but still was excited about all the action. (laughs) My younger brother was always in the back seat, and I'll confess that I did a naughty thing. I put a blonde wig on his head, (laughs) and I put a little bit of lipstick on him as my mom drove slowly on the main drag. Many young guys whistled at him, not knowing (laughs) that he was a boy, of course, and my brother quickly looked in the other direction. The three of us had so many laughs and doing silly things during Easter vacation, and my brother was a super-duper good sport. As we all laughed, tears would roll down our cheeks. I must say that my mom, my mother, was beautiful and looked something like Doris Day. I'll slip in a photo of her on my website. So, she took the best care of us you could imagine, with love and understanding, and she guided us to be good and kind to others. We were always her main concern. I know everything in the Scott family sounds great, but there were arguments between my parents causing a great deal of sadness. Uh, Just a tremendous amount of strife 
and turmoil, mostly because dad was hardly ever home. So now I'll go forward again to my senior year in school. And I was driving home in my new Corvette, which you know I loved, when another car speeded through a red light and crashed into me. Kaboom! It was the end of my gorgeous Corvette and nearly the end of my life. I woke up in the hospital without any memory of what had happened. This was definitely a big, bumpy road catastrophe. Bottom line, I could not attend my graduation ceremony. While I was in the hospital, I thought back to summers in Lake Arrowhead, something to cheer me up a little, or I tried to cheer myself up. That was where our family had a vacation home and found out our next-door neighbor was a warm-hearted actress by the name of Doris Day. Also, I thought about how Mom and Dad would take us out in our speedboat and where my brother and I had learned to water ski like pros, jumping high through the air over the whole entire wake from one side to the other. People said I was like a ballet dancer on water. It was really great. Back to reality, within a couple of months, my parents arranged for me to go to a finishing school in Switzerland called, the name of the school was Le Grand Verger, where I was enrolled in an all-girls school to finish me. Finish me? I'll explain. <laughs> Many families insisted their daughters attend finishing school to learn other languages. They would learn perfect manners and learn to be perfect wives to perfect would-be husbands. Also, my dad would tell his friends, My daughter is in finishing school in Switzerland, bragging about me. But please, you've got to hear this, so hang in, listen to this. After many hours in the air, my plane landed in Geneva, Switzerland, and a limousine picked me up and drove me to my school. We drove along a breathtakingly beautiful body of water known as Lake Geneva, and my school was located across the street from the lake near the very small village town of Ushi. On that day, the chauffeur drove up a long driveway through high gates, and I saw an enormous estate. As the front door opened, I was greeted by two persons who carried my luggage. I thought that was very nice and I looked around and was impressed with the grandeur of my new school. I walked in, and I was introduced to an elegant woman I learned was Madame Fongelet, head of my school. I was led up a grand winding staircase to the second floor, where I was shown into an exceptionally large room and introduced to three girls, one from Germany and two others from England, and they were to be my roommates. As I unpacked, they were excited about the albums I brought and couldn't wait to hear <laughs> Johnny Mathis. They couldn't wait to hear him. Anyway, our room had large high windows with gorgeous views as we were right across from the lake. Shortly after I unpacked, Madame Fongelet informed us that dinner would soon be served. 
The dining room was very large with what seemed to me was an elegant, long, antique dining table that seated six girls on either side with Madame Fongelet at the head. I was introduced to my new friends and after our meal, most everyone asked many, 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 many questions about the USA, Beverly Hills, movie stars, blah, blah. Now, previous to my trip, I had learned a wee bit of French, prepping me for my upcoming adventure, but nothing prepared me for what was to happen next. After dessert and everyone was finished, I thought I'd be a smarty and speak three words in French without any lessons you see from the school. Well, those three words were je suis fini, which in English is I am finished. Well, the most embarrassing thing that occurred that evening was when I was asked if I had finished my dinner and I said, oui, je suis fini and everyone at the table broke into uncontrollable laughter. I was stunned because I didn't know what they were laughing about until I realized that using present tense in English does not have the same meaning in French. In fact, the words I had spoken or blurted out like a complete nincompoop show-off meant I am dead in French. That's what it meant, and is why everyone was laughing at me. And on my first evening at my new school, feeling that I had just been tagged as the biggest idiot in my school's history. Another bumpy road. <sighs> Small catastrophe. Okay, <laughs> now let me go to the title of my second episode that you all have been waiting anxiously to hear. All right, here we go. I'm going to reveal things, correct? Why I was on the album cover of Jan and Dean Take Linda Surfin, right? Here it comes. Of course, and I believe everyone or almost everyone knows who Jan and Dean are and the Beach Boys, Brian Wilson, of course, right? So let's have some fun and go back. What do you say? Let's try taking a trip a time travel trip. It'll be fun. I'll share some exciting and unknown adventures that happened at a special time in my life. So just close your eyes and let your imagination be free, okay? The surfing era was introduced by two young guys named Jan and Dean, and they were the pioneers of the California sound and vocal surf music styles, though shortly after popularized by the Beach Boys. Jan and Dean started it all, and wow, it was an exciting time as surfing pop was born. Song title called Surf City was the first number one hit for Jan and Dean. Jan wrote this song in collaboration with Brian Wilson, who had, of course, written his own Surfin' USA. During that time, many young people who weren't from California, I mean, they were from all over, what do they want to do? <laughs> they all wanted to visit California, where the beaches are, especially Malibu, which was filled with surfers. And after they heard about Jan and Dean records and songs, it was 
absolutely a done deal. They had to visit California, and it would be Malibu. Seriously, this is why surfing became so popular among young kids. I remember a time when Malibu Beach was so crowded, you couldn't even get into the water. So the following is how I met Jan and Dean and how I was featured on the album cover. A guy whom I'd never met and to this day am unsure how he discovered me or how he got my number, but his name was Bruce and he called me out of the blue, a shock, although mysterious and intriguing at the same time. After a phone call or two, he asked me out and I'll admit my curiosity had gotten the best of me. A few days later, someone drove up through our gates in a white Lincoln and parked in our driveway, got out of his car, and I was astonished, truly, to see such an incredibly handsome guy. Yes, I admit, I was inexperienced, and I kept telling myself that he wasn't as good as I thought, that something had to be wrong with him, right? And please don't laugh, but already I was, I think I was known as a cooked goose. Remember, this was early 60s, and to make matters worse, I was a virgin. So clearly danger was lurking. I'm sure so many of you are thinking I was a ninny with a problem, like a mental problem, but come on, I was in love. I was in love from the very first moment I laid eyes on him. Come on now, people, give me a break. This was back in the 60s. I dated Bruce for quite a long time and found out that he was in music promotion for a new radio station with call letters, I think it was KBLA in San Fernando Valley. There is so much to tell, but we'd be here for days or weeks, so I'll skip to the heart of the story with pertinent stuff that I must share with you. During our romantic and very serious relationship, Bruce suggested that I pose for and be the poster girl for KBLA on LA billboards. Soon after, Bruce suggested that I go with him to Santa Monica Beach and have more photos taken, so to bring my bathing suit. Okay, I thought that should be fun. As soon as we got to the beach, I mean, I saw two guys, tall, good-looking guys, and many others around, plus a lot of cameras, etc. And Bruce suggested that I go and change into my black one-piece bathing suit, very in fashion at the time, I might say. So I did. I thought there was a very familiar look to one of the guys, but I didn't, I didn't want to ask. That would be embarrassing, right? But I knew that I recognized him. But from where? Huh. I was thinking and thinking, oh, oh no, no, I've got it. I got it. He, Jan, had been a senior at uni high school when I was only a sophomore. Yikes! He was the senior who kept flirting with me in the halls, loving to make me blush. He even pinched me once. He even asked me out once. Plus, I remembered that one time, when I was still at uni high, 
driving on Sunset Boulevard and came up to a light when all of a sudden a car drove up next to me shouting, hey, good looking. I immediately turned my face to the left to see what in the world and what who was saying that to me. And I saw a bare naked bottom hanging out of the window, mooning me. And before I could catch my breath, I saw a guy's face turn and look at me with a giant smile, big time. I turned red as the signal turned green and the car next to me speeded off. Immediately, I recognized who it was. Yes, you're correct. It was Jan and his friends and he got me again as I felt my face blushing red and heard enormous laughter from that car. Now, you have to understand, this was the same guy that I was to pose on the album cover for Jan and Dean. Now, there's more to that story, but on that specific day at the beach with Bruce, I had been asked to be Linda on the cover of Jan and Dean's album, Jan and Dean Take Lilinda Surfing, which broke records in sales. The start of the surfing era was born, a major part of record history, 60s and 70s, whoa, amazing. And because of Bruce, I was on the album cover. Now, I'd like to talk a little bit about Jan's accident. Sadly, on April 12, 1966, Jan was speeding in his stingray and he crashed into a parked truck on Whittier Drive in Beverly Hills. And that was not far from Dead Man's Curve, actually, on Sunset, where he was injured so badly and paralyzed. However, Jan's strong will helped his recovery enormously and enabled him to tour with Dean, who was the best of friends to Jan and who supported him throughout his recovery. Recently, I spoke to Dean, and he was so amazing. He was fun, as well as being a gentleman. He just may show up to one of my podcast episodes in the near future and surprise you all. Yes. Okay, so you'll want to know about who is Bruce. He became a fixture and then an executive of promotion at Capitol Records in Hollywood and he also was a member of the board of directors. He was there for decades and handled many stars, such as Neil Diamond, oh, the Beatles, and others. After the breakup of the Beatles, Bruce personally handled all four individual Beatles and played a very influential role in each of their successes during which time he would personally accompany them to radio interviews, television appearances, magazine interviews, and the rest. During the years when their record label, Apple Records, was in complete turmoil, Bruce paved the way for each of them to achieve their personal best as their records achieved gold and platinum record status. In my next episode, I'll be discussing Dr. Michael Crichton, writer, director of Westworld, and on such a low budget that you won't even believe it. I have some amazing stories about Michael and, hmm, 
hmm, I'm not telling. But for those who don't know, he was also the gifted and brilliant creator, writer, and director of Jurassic Park movies. Thank you for listening to my podcast, Linda's Bumpy Road, as I'm looking forward to publishing my next episode on my website. Love you all, happy holidays, and God bless.